This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 9, Episode 18. Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of podcasts brought to you by Guns.com. Today is Wednesday, December 27th, 2023, as of the recording of this episode. And I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by Jacob Paulson. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Good old-fashioned Wyoming howdy. (laughs) It's a little bit more of a Toy Story-esque thing now. Yes. Uh, glad to have you with me. Uh, today we're going to be talking about, well, the title of the episode is the is how most DGU blunders come from this one problem, uh, which uh, really what we're going to get into is talking about how concealed carriers involved in defensive gun uses fail to have their, uh, their values, their motives, whatever, in line with their actions, right? It's a very important thing. We see this all the time. It, it, Jacob proposed this idea. It's something that uh, every, just about every time we do a Justified Save episode of the podcast, we come across a story or two that uh, touches on this thing. Even in Justified instances, we see where this doesn't align. You know, for the uh, you know the lawful gun user, they don't quite have their mindset in the right place for making sure they've got the right idea, the right attitudes, the right uh, decisions even made ahead of time. So I look forward to discussing that with you. Today's episode sponsored, brought to you by Dummy Ammo from Ready Up Gear. New and updated design from Ready Up Gear with the Dummy Ammo uh, is worth checking out. Uh, we'll talk about it some more here in a minute and later in the episode. If you guys want to check that out, go to or actually concealedcarry.com forward slash dummy ammo. And also today's episode is sponsored by Range Tech Shot Timers, uh, which of course you guys probably know and are well familiar with. If you're not, check it out at rangetechtimer.com. Uh, lead times are coming down on the shot timers. So if you've been waiting on one for a while, uh, those are starting to get produced in a bit greater, more consistent uh, quantity. So check it out, rangetechtimer.com. So let's uh, let's get into this this topic, Jacob. Yeah, yeah. For, for me, this is grounded in in this situation where I was I was pondering on this mindset thing, and I was uh, you know I think we were if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, you've you've heard us comment on incidents and say, well, that person you know shouldn't have done this or shouldn't have done that, and this is why. And, and I, I really was struggling to figure out, like, what is the real root cause of the of the bad behavior, you know, that we see all the time? I, I just saw a story today, you know, some guy was going out to check on his, you know, car thieves in his driveway, and he got shot, um, you know, by the car thieves. And, and you know, what you know, we, so we talk about, oh, that was bad. You know, you shouldn't do that. Don't go out. Why would you leave the house? You know, da-da-da. And we, we get into that, you know, you're safer in the house. Why put yourself at risk? But I was trying to, to to go like a level deeper than that and ask myself, but what is what is causing the person to feel they need to do that, right? Because because a lot of the times we see things like this and it feels natural. Uh, how many stories have we seen, Riley, where uh, after a threat is ended, a good guy continues to pursue a bad guy? We see it all the time, and it's 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 easy to say, "Don't do that. That's not a good idea." It's, but it's something else to say. Well, what is what is at the root that's causing the person to choose to do that, right? Be, like, what is obviously there's some emotions involved in the moment, but what is the thing we could do, teach, explain, or understand for ourselves that would cause us to not fall into the trap of that kind of bad behavior? That's that's really where this pursuit led me is is trying to figure out what it, what do I have to know or believe in order to prevent myself from falling victim to these, what I would call natural traps of bad behavior. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this isn't getting at the root cause just yet, but uh, I'm going to throw a couple things at you just kind of 
ponder on this, and, and I want to hear your response a little bit as well. Uh, some common things I hear, specifically addressing some of the circumstances you just brought up, are things like, in the case of like a car getting stolen, for instance. Well, I mean, that, that's that's I, I had to stop and prevent that theft. You know, that, that car is my livelihood or something to that effect, right? In fact, we hear that um, in instances where someone gets involved with preventing a theft and like, let's say that they're an electrician and all of their electrical, you know, and electrician type tools are being stolen uh, or even materials and, you know, that stuff costs a lot of money. And and the, the argument is, well, that's my livelihood. Like that, if I don't stop that, even with potentially deadly force, um, but even just getting involved, like you have to get involved because if I, if that happens, like my, I can't even support my family. Right. Like that, that's, that is a huge, infring- I mean, it certainly is a huge infringement, but like, there's almost like this connect, this, this, co- this mental connection that's made, you know, this thought process of, well, it, it elevates to almost to almost a place of using deadly force to prevent that theft, because this is putting my life in jeopardy from a not being able to provide for my family kind of standpoint. The other attitude it, or argument that I hear is, you know, with respect to just like going after somebody is, well, I got to, you know, prevent them from getting away. Um, you know, if somebody doesn't stand up and this is actually a really common one today, if someone doesn't stand up for this, you know, then like who else will, you know, and, and we got to start, you know, the police aren't doing anything. So you know, citizens got to band together and we got to take action because otherwise everything's going to go to pot. You know, if, if people just allow uh, this crime to take place, which by the way, is a very legitimate, you know, argument to make. We see examples of that all the time. We see stores. I just saw someone shared a, Oh, it was a, I think it was Brian actually, or uh, who was it just recently? Jason that works for us was showing me a video from the store that his wife works at, I believe uh, showing somebody just coming in and just broad daylight, just, you know, without a care in the world, grabbing product off the shelves and like hightailing it out, out of there, you know? And like, so we see the argument made of, well, somebody's got to step up and do something or they're just going to keep getting more emboldened. So you see what I'm getting at? Like, sure. That's a, that's those. And I know that's not the root cause we're talking about just yet. No, but those are reasonable. Those, those are seemingly apparent, reasonable justifications for the behavior. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, this, this episode is less about, what is a justifiable um, reason for behavior that we traditionally consider to be not good in, in, in our community? It's more about your, your, what, is, what is your objective? Like, is, is your behavior in alignment with your mission? Mm-hmm. I was not in the military. Uh, I've never, never served for our country in that way. And so I've never, you know, I, I can't relate to the concept of being given a, a, you know, mission parameters and a mission and been sent out, you know, to, to go patrol some city in Afghanistan or something like that. I've never done that. I've never done that. But, but I am familiar with the concept of having a mission. Uh, we run a business, a bis- our business has a mission. So I think that we have to ask ourselves, like, what is our, core or primary objective as an uh, armed citizen, right? Like what is, what is the reason I stick the gun in my pants? What is the reason I have the gun at the house? Um, and, and there can be multiple reasons. It can be a tiered thing, right? Like my number one purpose for me is to preserve the life, right? Of my family of my children and my wife. That's my number one Objective. I have a secondary objective, which is that I myself survive, that I not die. So that not only do they live, but they have a dad and a husband, right? So that's a secondary objective. And I can have a, a, a tertiary, and a, you know, a, I can have as many objectives as I want, but they do have to be kind of, uh, not kind of, they have to be prioritized. It has to be clear what my primary objective is. And then if I can serve a secondary objective without without putting it too much risk, whatever I deem a justifiable risk, the primary objective, then that's fine, right? But but it comes down to this root concept because the, the truth is we always, all of us, act in accordance with our strongest, deepest held belief. And so I, I just call into question, I, effectively what I'm saying is someone is a liar. If they outwardly claim 
that their primary objective, their number one thing, is their own survival and the and the you know survival and safety of their loved ones, but they run out their front door and chase down the street after people who have guns. Like to me, you're lying. Like that's not true, because because you you your behavior is not reflective of your objective, of your mission. And so I don't believe. I mean, I believe that maybe you said that out loud. That maybe at some level you even want to believe that that's your primary objective, but it's not. If that's your behavior, because we always behave in alignment with our core belief. And so so people who say that they're out of alignment. And they just don't recognize it or they're not willing to admit it or they don't want other people to know what their real objective is. I think that's an interesting, uh, you know, idea that you posit there. Uh, I think that there's truth to what you said. I think evaluating that at a deeper level, we can be led to to a place where we find that uh, we, you know, as far as the, the the lie that's occurring, you know, where actions don't reflect, um, you know, what we state that we believe or that is our priority. Uh, I think that uh, there's probably a couple of reasons for why that can can be the case. Um, w- I think one major one is that not enough people that carry a gun or have a gun available for defensive gun use haven't thought through all of the different possible scenarios and circumstances they might find themselves in. And, and, you know, that I perceive that a lot of, and this is, I think certainly true when we see what would be otherwise lawfully or law abiding citizens that get involved in situations where the use of deadly forces um, is used that you know they cross some sort of like legal line or even a moral one let's say um that a lot of times they're just reacting you know and 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 that they haven't um i think you're right that we probably behave in a way that's consistent with our deepest held belief but maybe you haven't gone to that place yet ahead of time to to really ask yourself well, but what if this, or what if that, or what if this other, you know, what if these, these theoretical things occur, actually occur, what is my course of action? Because like that, that evaluation of, will my actions be consistent with what I believe and think and feel be, will they be consistent? That evaluation I think has to happen ahead of time because in the moment, if you're just kind of trying to figure it out, I think it's really easy to to make mistakes. I think another, another explanation is people just aren't honest with themselves. Uh, and they may not even realize that. Right. And again, it's probably from a lack of thought or, or self analysis of who they are as a person. Cause not a lot of people, I think like us spend a lot of time. I mean, I think this is true of our, or not necessarily true of a lot of our listeners. Cause I think our listeners are here for a reason and, 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 and they're probably, um, you know, the elite of the concealed carrier world. But uh, I think a lot of just regular common folk out there that carry a gun or use or have a gun for self-defense don't spend a lot of time where we do, where we actually think deeply about these topics. Oh, that's fair. And I think there's other factors too. I think there's a factor that lack of preparations means that we don't minimize risk. It means that sometimes we act out of fear, um, so I, th- I think there's a lot of other things going on, but <laughs> most of the time, what I think is happening based on the, the commentary, based on the conversations that we're involved in, that we see in the on the interwebs, okay, I think what's happening is that people are not focused on the right person's outcome. And this is really where the genesis of this this conversation and, and this episode started when we, when we were talking about this. Because I think what happens is, I'll give you a recent one. I was talking to somebody who, you know, it, we've all heard this a hundred times, right? But it was the good old, I just don't know if I could shoot someone conversation. I just, I just don't know if in the moment I could do that. And I was just, in, I just couldn't help it. This, this is, you know, it was the straw that broke the camel's back on this particular instance. Because I said, what, what in the world are you talking about? 
And they're like, well, I just don't know if I could choose. I'm like, why are we talking about the person getting shot? What does that have to do with anything? And they're like, well, I, you know, I just don't want someone, you know, to lose a, a son or a daughter or a husband or whatever. I'm like, you, I, I still don't understand why we're talking about the other person's outcome at all. Like, what? Why would you make decisions about your own behavior? focused on or or based on some other person's outcome that you don't know, presumably as a stranger. That sounds like insanity to me. It makes no sense at all. Like what, what, who, what, how is it relevant? Like why, why would you have the gun? Is it is so that you can determine other people's outcomes? And, and, you know, I, I just, lo- I lost it. And um, the person I was talking to, they got it right away. They're like, Oh no, 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 no. I mean, I guess I don't. I wouldn't have the gun. That's not a person who carries a gun, right? We were talking hypothetically, no. But they said, I guess if I had the gun, it would be to protect me and my family. I'm like, right. So why, why then would you decide whether or not to do that based on your concern of some other third party stranger's potential outcome in terms of them being injured or dying or some tragic emotional trauma uh, relative to their, you know, that their family has to endure. Why would that person's outcome impact your decision? Like, is, is that, would you carry a gun in order to impact other people's lives? Is that the purpose? It just does it didn't make any sense. And so th- I think the more we had this conversation, the more they, they started to understand like, so carriers, at least in my opinion, the, the reason we carry the gun is to impact our own outcome. And so all my behavior has to be consistent with my outcome or the outcome of my family, right? The people who are listed in the, the objective, the mission that we were talking about, right? And so when I, when I act in a way that's inconsistent with that, it's generally because I'm more concerned with the other person's outcome than my own. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And I, that's what I liked in particular about the way you phrased this topic suggestion in our, you know, internal chat it was when, when you, when you said that, that the topic essentially is people focusing on their attackers outcome and not on their own or their loved ones outcomes. And I like the way that's phrased because I think that's so true in so many ways, you know, it, it covers in, and, and asking that question, why are you worried about that person's outcome, your attacker's outcome, and not your own outcome? It addresses so many of the problems that we see, right? It addresses the situation like you were just talking about of a person essentially saying, well, I I just don't think I could take a life. Uh, Well, guess what? If the choice is your life or and it's not even so much their life. No, it's right? irrelevant. Right? It's it's if the question if it comes down to your life and I may have to pull a trigger while aiming at another person, right? Like um which one would you choose, you know? And I know that I know that and I truly believe there are some people that genuinely genuinely um you know, believe that that they cannot take another person's life, that they would rather sacrifice their own um, before they themselves took someone else's life. Sure, that's fine. Right, right, right. But but still, that's that is such an interesting point. I, I understand that, and I've I've met people I believe that are in that category. But it's such an interesting thing to me because it's like, well, hold on here, you know, like this person, this attacker, this intruder, this robber, or whatever, carjacker, they chose this for me. I didn't choose it, you know. And that's how I pers- yeah, That's how I I think of my own. Uh, concealed carry, you know, I guess ethics, if you will, is that it's more about me being my own agent of my life uh, that I want to secure my life and that I'm trying to, you know, I carry a gun to prevent someone from being able to take that agency for my life away from me. Right. And because they're the instigator, because they started it, because they picked the fight, that, you know, they initially were the ones that threatened my life. Like I may end up in the, you know, the end result may be that I take their agency away, you know, take their life away, but they ultimately chose that, you know, because they're the one that instigated it. Right. So like in my mind, it may, you know, it, the math just checks out. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know? So, um, but that asking this question of, 
of are you more focused on an attacker's outcome versus your own outcome? It also addresses situations where uh, a person, you know, goes after an attack, an, an attacker, uh, a, you know, a bad guy. Uh, it addresses as far as like, imagine this, like one problem, one area where people get in trouble sometimes is, is chasing after their, their initial attacker. Right. And, like, why would you do I'm gonna, that? I'm going to pause you, Riley. Before we go there, I want to come back to yeah. the whole, I don't know if I could take someone's life thing. Go ahead. Because we, we're scratching the surface here. Like, we have to sure. We have to consider that the phrase itself is inherently flawed. Because what does the phrase say? I don't know if I could take someone else's life. The phrase is focused on, like, <laughs> it's not even certain that this person is going to die. Like, are you saying that if, if in the case you have to defend yourself, that you then act, you know, are going to make sure that the other person dies? Because that's inherently what you're saying. Like, you're yeah. suggesting inherently that if I'm ever in a defensive encounter, I have to choose between me living or that person living, and the other one will die. That, like, that absolute of that context is so ridiculous. It's still yeah. focused on the other person's outcome. Like, it's not about me choosing. If the other person's outcome, if that person dies or not, it's about me choosing my outcome, right? Yeah. I choose to live. I choose to defend, you know, certain people. Um, that that like that. So that's the other like inherently problem here is that we're focused on this binary outcome of either I defend myself and therefore the other person dies. I take a life, or I defend my. I, I choose not to defend myself and therefore I die. Mm-hmm. And that is crazy. Like that kind of binary thinking is still rooted in the wrong mindset, in the wrong outcome. Like we're still thinking about their outcome. Like the choice I have to make is uh, certainly I think the, the, an acknowledgement needs to be made. And so I hope I'm not you know, being ridiculous. An acknowledgement has to be made that when I shoot at people, they might die. And, and I suppose at some level, I have to accept that as a potential outcome. However, it's irrelevant to my decision yep. making. It's just it just has nothing to do with it at all. Yeah. Now, you know, the the common it's become I think more common to say um than maybe, you know, when we started this podcast, uh but we've been pretty consistent since the beginning of, you know, using the following phrase of well, we don't shoot to kill, we shoot to stop a threat. Um th- that's more clear as a statement, right? Because it's not about the outcome of that other party that's involved. It's about what is happening to me. Well, a threat. I want to stop said threat. And when that threat is done, I'm done, right? And so that that phrase of, you don't shoot to kill, you shoot to stop a threat. I appreciate in this context of our conversation here today, because it's consistent with that. Right, uh, and that's the right attitude and right idea to have here. Going, well, that, you know, that's that's where the problem lies, right? Because most people who get into that conversation, if you're in a classroom and someone raised their hand and said, "Hey, my friend, buddy, cop friend, whatever," told me if I shoot, I should shoot to kill. For them, they're thinking binarily between shoot to kill versus shoot to injure. What their friend sure. was trying to communicate was this idea of, "Hey, don't shoot him in the leg." Don't shoot off warning shots. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna have to get to work, like do it right. Now, unfortunately, they communicated it in a way that was consistent with the other person's outcome, right? That they you know make sure that person's dead, dead. Like that's that's horrible. That's that's unethical. It's illegal. It's immoral. It's bad in every possible way, right? So so that's the problem is that that, that binary choice between shoot to kill and shoot to injure, both choices are focused on the other person's outcome, and that's what makes them flawed. The idea of shoot to stop the threat is consistent with our own outcome. And that's what makes it appropriate. Yeah. You know, uh, in our preparation for this episode today, uh, we went through a number of past justified save stories. Primarily, most of them come from the what not to do category that we, you know, quite often share on our justified save episodes of the podcast. And uh, one that kind of stood out to me is this incident that happened, oh, when this happened, back in 2020, May of 2020 in Boone County, Kentucky. 
and an individual, you know, it was an attempted burglary of a home. So you have um, a, a person that was, I think just, they encountered them. Um, it just says an attempted burglary of a home. So it doesn't even, it's unclear if they're trying to gain entry to the home or what. But the point is here is that the, the homeowner fires multiple warning shots with their gun. And then engages in a physical fight and eventually subdues the uh, burglar. And, and I'd, I'm not saying I know this is what happened or that this was the uh, the motivation or whatever, but it makes a person wonder when you read this. It's like, okay, first of all, they fire multiple shots. Okay. If, if, if in fact, this is an, a home invasion, it says home burglary, but if that's what this was, that this person was trying to gain entry to the home, the homeowner's in the home, they probably have a justification to use deadly force, right? Um, instead, they fire multiple warning shots. And then they don't even like they they just go into a physical fight. So that that one story stood out to me because it made me think. Okay, is this a, is this one of those people that's like I don't think I can you know take a life. I don't think I can fire it, you know my gun at somebody. Uh, and it certainly is is plausible. I think a plausible explanation for why they handled this the way they did. Um, you know, yeah. I could be reading too much into it, but that 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 you know it wouldn't surprise me if that was you know well, a factor sometimes. Here. Sometimes really bad tactics put us in situations where we have to make what I'll call compromised decisions. Mm-hmm. So think of the gentleman who, you know, the door starts getting knocked on and uh, or the doorbell rings late at night, wakes up, grabs his gun, goes to see who's at the door and there's a, a, st- a door and then like a storm door. Okay. But he, he didn't lock the storm door. So he goes to open the primary door, you know, gun in one hand, grab an opening door with the other hand, looks out. And the gentleman out on the front porch has his hand on the handle of the storm door and is opening it. So now instead of one door opening, now we got two doors opening. So bad tactics, right? Poor decisions up to this point have led to a homeowner being in a situation where they have to decide what to do in a very short window of time, right? They've lost the element of time in order to make good decisions and they're being forced to make compromised decisions. And so that decision leads to, I guess I better start pressing the trigger because I got you know less than a second or or second and a half before this bad guy is going to be on me. Well, so bang, bang, bang! Now someone's been shot. Well, unfortunately, this was not a bad guy. This is a guy who went to pick up his siblings who were at a friend's house. Mom says, "Go pick up your brother and sister." He gets in the car, starts driving to go get them. The address he was given was wrong, or he read it wrong, so he goes to the wrong house, rings the bell, thinks that he's going to go in and get his siblings and pick them up and take them home. Instead, he's getting shot by the homeowner. So you know, someone might just call. Well, it's it's lawful, but 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 it's you know. Lawful but awful, it happens kind of thing. Well, it shouldn't happen because poor tactics, poor preparedness, poor education, poor training led to a situation where we had to make compromised decisions. So it'd be hard to say that what that person's mission, what that person's objective was. If they were focused on their outcome or the other person's outcome, it doesn't always come into play. And that that's one of those exceptions where that's a DGU blunder that happened, not because of of poor mission uh, and objectives and deep held purpose and, and understanding that led to focus on the wrong person's outcome. That's an example of a situation where it's just like bad tactics, bro. Bad tactics put you in a situation where you had to make a compromised decision. You're talking about the Yarl case, that example. That was actually a teenager, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that, yeah, there were bad tactics there, but I also think that there was some, if I recall correctly, the the gentleman did, did the shooting didn't seem to have much uh, remorse. Uh, no. So, so that kind of makes so you wonder. Probably about- an objective mission problem there. Here's, here's another one, yeah, speaking of yeah. bad tactics, right? Yeah. So we have a circular driveway. Car comes into the driveway thinking they've arrived at the house they're going to be at. They look at the address. Uh, you know, They're trying to figure out, we're at the right house or not. It takes them a minute or so. While they're trying to figure out the right house, homeowner goes and gets the gun. Ooh, some suspicious people are in my driveway. They ultimately decide, no, this is the wrong house. And so they continue to pull out and, and drive away. Homeowner opens the front door, runs out, and starts shooting. And guns down and kills the young woman in the back of the car. So, yep. you know, that's a mission objective problem, right? This, this is an, a, a disconnect. And this sometimes happens because our own emotions are such that if you're the kind of person who's likely to go out and buy a gun 
and stuff it in your pants or stick it next to the, the bed in a safe and say, I have this because man, society is going to hell in a handbag and I got to be ready for, for all the things because I got to be my own first responder. Unfortunately, though, that's a good attitude in my opinion. We would support that one billion percent. It does lead to a situation where we're more likely to perceive threats where there are none, where we become maybe a little bit more paranoid. And that paranoia sometimes leads us into a situation where if our moral compass, or I'll better, moral compass is really not the right word. If our core objective is not well aligned, right? If we don't really truly think through and understand that what this is all about, what, why we're going to do what we're going to do, then we make bad decisions. In that case, like these are bad people. I've already decided they're bad people. Any evidence I receive will only support my existing belief. And so I can't let them drive out my driveway. I have to stop them from escaping. I must must submit them to custody, prevent their escape, or keep them from hurting other people down the road. Therefore, I'm going to open this door, run out, and shoot at them. That's completely out of alignment with my objective and my mission, right? That's completely focused on someone else's outcome and not my own, right? I only increase my risk by walking out the door in, in terms of my primary objective. Well, that's what I was starting to get get into a moment ago. Is you know when you told me to put the brakes on, you wanted to continue talking more about the uh, the you know shooting to kill versus shooting to stop kind of concept. Um, is that when we see individuals that get involved in situations uh, that you know either they go too far with the use of force or they continue to pursue a situation with deadly force um, or uh, or, or in the case actually of one man, as we are again prepping for the episode in uh, Washington, uh, I think kind of Seattle area, uh, maybe a year or so ago, wasn't that long ago, uh, man, so he thought what he perceived based on some communication from a store employee and like what he observed, he thought a man and a woman leaving a store were shoplifters. And he went and like stopped their cart and was like, you stop right there, you know, and they end up in this kind of you know, standoff, this altercation, and it leads to this man, you know, who felt like he was trying to do the right thing initially, but he ends up shooting this other man who was a complete innocent party. (laughs) Wasn't even the person that was shoplifting from the store. Just happened to be miss, you know, uh, identified as the shoplifter by this, this completely unrelated third party individual um, that under that just doesn't understand what the situation is, and now all of a sudden, you know, he's he's facing charges, right? That like life altering um, charges uh, because you know he thought he was doing the right thing, and that's another example of where you know this question is so key to ask yourself: of wait, is this a I'm more concerned about their outcome or my outcome question? Because you know. Me, I'm looking at that. It's like, that's not my problem, bro. Like, yeah, okay, so they're shoplifting. Like, what do I care? I mean, other than I have a strong sense of justice like a lot of other people probably do. Law-abiding people generally have a strong sense of justice and want to see justice served. And I think that's where some of these kind of things come from is this place of, well, justice must be served. And doggone it, we got to prevent this, you know, whatever thing from occurring because, if somebody doesn't do it, then who will? And so it's going to be me. But I have to still look at that objectively as a as an individual and go, by me getting involved in this, like I a part of me wants to, but I have to put the brakes on and go, whoa, because it's just increasing my risk. You know, number one, increasing my not just the legal risk, right? Because of if I do something wrong, like it, it could be a simple, it could be a simple. It doesn't even have to go so far as being an actual use of deadly force that gets me in trouble. It could be that I get charged with uh, a false imprisonment or kidnapping type charge because I held them against their will. Right. Sure. It could be as simple as that. Felony so menacing, aggravated so, assault. So it, it it not only increases my legal risk. But then there's the other side, which is it increases my physical risk because if I just stayed out of it, no harm, no foul for me. I move about, you know, go about my day, but I get involved and maybe this this person that I accost now 
maybe they're just more skilled than I am. And next thing I know, I'm in a beat down, you know, like, and I end up in the hospital in a coma, you know, like there's just so many things that can go wrong when we get involved in things that again, are motivated by me being more interested in somebody else's outcome and not making sure I'm looking out for numero uno. Yeah. And I I think that, you know, we're not trying to be cynical. I think that there is some some arguments in favor of trying to prevent injustices from happening. And, and, you know, anyone can, can justify stepping in and, you know, trying to do the right thing. Uh, I got no problem with those arguments, but, but I think we have to just think about our objectives. Like I, I, I said at the beginning, I said, well, you can have multiple objectives, right? I can have a primary objective and I can have various secondary objectives, right? So think of our friend, uh, I, I say our friend, we don't know this guy at all. I just, Speaking uh, generally, generally, think about that dude, Michael, in Florida, who's now in prison Draco. because he, yeah, he pulls up to a gas station. He sees someone is parked in a handicapped spot who doesn't appear to be handicapped. They have no handicap tags. Uh, the person, the driver's in the store, but the person in the passenger seat's a young woman. She doesn't appear to be handicapped. So he decides that's an injustice. So I'm going to do something about it. Well, I got, I have no like theoretic problem with the saying. Hey, I, I don't think that's okay, and I want to do something about it. But it always comes down to, for one, how do you do it to minimize risk? And then second, like at what point, as we go down the, the incident, do I cross the line of jeopardizing my primary objective beyond what is appropriate to achieve some secondary objective, right? Yep. So me, you know, in this case, he went way too far, right? He starts pounding on the on the glass. He's yelling at this girl. Eventually, the boyfriend comes out, who was the driver of the car. Physical altercation. Boyfriend pushes him down on the ground, draws his gun, kind of threatens with it for just a little bit too much hesitation, probably in the sight of the law. And then he fires, right? So so now we've crossed the line where we've threatened our primary objective by putting ourselves in, in risk of a physical altercation, getting shoved to the ground by somebody who's much younger and stronger than we are probably. And and now we feel like we got to go to a gun. And, and from there, obviously mistakes were made um, as well. Yeah. You know, your shoplifter guy, you know, and so is it okay to be like, I think that person is shoplifter. I think I'm going to say something to, this, to the store representative, or I'm going to just maybe, maybe if, you know, depending on how you feel about your objectives in life, maybe even saying something like, Hey, excuse me. Um, uh, did you guys pay for that? You know? Oh yeah, we did. Oh, oh okay. Like I, I guess I'm, you know, my bad. You know, maybe I'm just, or maybe I don't even confront them. Maybe I'm just going to snap a picture and then go see someone who works at the store. and be like, I think these guys were shoplifting. I took their picture. You know, I, you know, there's any number of things that can be done when you think you need to do the right thing. That's, that's, yeah. that's not what, like, if, if you think we're saying like, don't get yourself involved Avoid all confrontations all the time because it's all inconsistent with the primary objective of your own, you know, best case scenario. That's not like that's a short-sighted view of what I'm trying to communicate. Yeah, there's more. In other words, what you're saying is there's there's more nuance um, than what probably you know you you initially see on the surface of such you know making such decisions. And I definitely agree with that. Definitely agree with that. I was going to throw out one other uh, kind of common thing that we come across, and and I didn't have a specific story uh, to support this per se, but there was no shortage of them as I was going through our catalog of all past Justified Save episodes. Um, And that is, I think, where a lot of road rage incidents, and there's quite a few of those that unfortunately end in the you know, shooting of another person or both people in some cases. Uh, and, the, you know, but I think that a lot of times those road rage incidents start because of this, again, failing to consider numero uno and your outcome and minimizing, you know, your risk and, and all and liability and all that. And just thinking about how, oh, how dare they, pull, you know, pull out in front of me or, or ride my tail or, you know, like, like, oh, I've got to get them back. You know, I've got to teach them a lesson. You know, uh, I think that's, un- that, that's uh, another place where a lot of times people get themselves in trouble in a right hurry. And I think this is one that a lot of people could probably relate to because we probably have all been there. If we're being honest with ourselves, at some point where somebody else on the road makes you really, really upset. 
Uh, you know, have you ever brake checked a person? Have you ever, you know, flipped the bird? Have you ever honked your horn at another driver? Yeah, those are all instances of you wanting to be like, hey, you, I got to stick it to you, man. And next thing you know, guess what? You picked the wrong person on the wrong day and they're willing to go maybe a step further than you were, meaning, I mean, I think this is where a lot of these kinds of things happen. I think about this all the time, driving around, you know, in the Denver, Colorado, Denver metro area. Uh, there's, there's, unfortunately, it seems like about every other week at least, uh, some kind of report of, of a shooting that occurs on the road um, that likely started as some kind of road rage type thing. And there's a lot of not so nice people out there that you don't know who you're honking your horn at. And that might be all it takes for them to be like, you know what? I've had enough for a day. Bang. And next thing you know, you're being shot. Right. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that seems kind of extreme, uh, but, but, it but that's the reality. Yeah. And again, is another place where it's like, I've had definitely over, the, I think I've gotten better with it over the years. When I was a younger driver, I was definitely more hot headed. Uh, but I, I have my, I find myself catching myself, you know, more these days where it's like, well, you know, I don't know who that dude is and I don't need to be that next person, you know, on channel nine news, you know, being talked about getting shot in a road rage incident. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, all these kind of, you know, anger management issues tend to come down to us being focused on the other person's outcome. That person needs to be taught a lesson. That person has to be stopped. That person should be arrested. That person should you know, have their nose broken. Like it's all about them. It's all about their outcome and not our own. Like what is most consistent with my primary objective? And yeah, maybe I'm going to take a picture of the license plate and I'm going to report them or something. I mean, the, the point is there's any number of potential things you could do that if you feel justice needs to be had. But at what point does your behavior put your primary objective at too much risk? At what time do you cross the line into being more concerned about their outcome than yours? That's that's the problem. That's when you've you've crossed this line and you've put your objective at risk. And that that <laughs> that's the nasty one. And it really blows my mind. We had an incident uh, not too far south from us in the Denver Metro a little uh, several years ago now. Where two dudes come into the house and they beat on the homeowner a little bit, give him a concussion, as I recall. Um, he's unaware of the status of, of his wife and children. You know, it, as it turns out, they're just upstairs, you know, told to stay in a bedroom kind of thing. This is just a home robbery. These, you know, these two, the two bad guys are just stealing stuff, grabbing things and I don't know, whatever valuable things they grabbed. And eventually they get in the van and they drive off. So, so uh, like you have to ask yourself, what is the person thinking? This, this man, who is now you know, no longer at risk. The two people have left the home. So far as he can tell, he saw them leave and he runs and grabs his gun. He doesn't check on his wife, doesn't check on his children, doesn't see what their status is, but instead he runs out and gives chase down the road, shooting at the back of the van. Okay. Like, does that sound like someone who is either is caught up in the emotion or someone who's, whose primary objective is really focused on their own outcome? Because to me, I'm thinking to myself, Bro, you like you're just gonna abandon your wife and children for all you know they're upstairs bleeding out. Uh, you know any number of potential things. You have no idea. All you know you've been beaten to with, you know to to really bad. You have a concussion, and the two dudes who are in your home are both leaving all by themselves out the door. So so like where is the focus in that moment? What is the objective? Whose outcome are we focused on? And at what risk? Not only are we risking ourselves. And doing that, but we're risking the actual, you know, the wife and the children. Like to me, that is so crazy. And it comes down to this core idea, this simple thing of whose outcome are you focused on? Because it ain't your wife and children. In that moment, that's that, uh, nope. Like you have jeopardized that primary mission objective by focusing more on, on the bad guy's outcome. Hey, real quick, let's just take a, a brief moment. I want to make sure I hit again on our sponsors of today's episode. Uh, first of all, Dummy Ammo by Ready Up Gear. Uh, you know, we've sold Dummy Ammo from Ready Up Gear for a couple of years now. Uh, then it got really hard to source. 
Uh, and actually, as a result of all that, we went through a complete redesign process on these dummy ammo rounds from uh, that, that we now sell at, at readyupgear.com. Actually, a direct link, you can go to concealedcarry.com forward slash dummy ammo, take you right to that product. Super excited about what this pro- what this redesign means. It's a it's far superior to what we were previously selling. So if you have some of the old Ready Up Gear dummy ammo uh, products uh, and you want to get some more, definitely consider checking out the new updated version. Uh, not, not that the old ones are bad, just the new ones are just that much better. They're way more consistent. They're way... Uh, they feed better. They're they're more durable. I think, um, yeah, they're they're awesome. And uh, super excited that uh, you know our supplier that makes those and to be working with them again on those and it just is super super cool. So check them out. And we're actually in stock on on at least you know we have nine millimeter available right now. Uh, five five six. I don't think we really have right now. Maybe we have a little bit, but uh, we are working on more calibers hopefully in the near future, which is something we weren't really able to support previously. So pretty exciting. Concealcarry.com forward slash dummy ammo. The other thing was uh, range tech shot timers. Jacob's been working really hard uh, making some. We've been, you know, here in the shop, making some of the components for those, uh, trying to get those churned out in a more timely fashion. So uh, definitely if you're looking for your next shot timer, range tech shot timer continues to be the industry leader for the best value for sure, in terms of shot timers that actually work out there on the market. So check it out, rangetechtimer.com. A um, couple of uh, things I want to make sure we hit on, uh, Jacob. Let's take a couple of kind of comments slash questions. I think you said you were going to come back and touch on that. I don't know if you felt like maybe you already did, but Mark on Facebook uh, pointed out, one counterpoint is the fear of freezing up and losing the gun or making the situation worse because you have a gun. Someone who brings a gun to an incident but can't use it properly or freezes up can cause more problems than prevent them, couldn't they? Sure, yeah. You know, I, you know, the title of this episode is More DGU Blunders Come From This Problem, presumably than any other problem, right? But we didn't say all DGU Blunders come from this problem. So this idea of alignment with the core objective, this idea of being focused on my outcome and not the outcome of the attacker is is still, in my opinion, where a large number of these issues come from. But But there's other issues. One we already talked about today, which is I'll say bad tactics lead to compromised decision-making. But also, there's this this simple fact of like not not adequate training, uh, you know, poor poor training, and, and freezing up. I think is a very natural thing that can happen to dang near anybody, no matter their level of training. Um, but making poor decisions, right, or like using the gun uh, in a way that's not consistent with good accuracy, with with good tactics, um, you know, bad decision making often comes because of a lack of training and education. And fear is an absolute reality, but I also think fear tends to be rooted in a lack of training, knowledge, and education. So uh, we, we'd like to believe that our this podcast, you know, is a, is a good source of understanding, you know, of getting perspective and, and being clear on these kinds of things. Hopefully people who listen to this regularly are less likely to have these problems. But but I think this is one of those less common issues, this idea of fear and or bad skills or lack of skills. And those can be uh, kind of almost like self-fulfilling prophecies of sorts, you know, like where the, they reinforce each other. Certainly I, I have found uh, as, as a person gets more skilled, they generally become less fearful, right? Uh, fear sometimes is rooted in the fact that we're uncomfortable or uncertain about our abilities or even what we should do in certain circumstances. Uh, so Yeah. 100% on that, brother. Um, there was something... Oh, I was thinking we have a couple stories that you know I, I shared links to in our, our little chat. And by the way, everything we're referencing here today, we'll make sure are included. These are all old stories that we covered in Justified Saves uh, episodes uh, going back even in a couple of the cases a couple of years ago. Um, but all these will be shared in the show notes of today's episode again. A um, couple of stories were... In- incidents where the you know the good guy so to speak you know the victim if you will the person you know and they were actually both homeowners uh they discharged their firearms at things they thought were intruders when they were in fact not um in one case that was the texas case where uh just a maintenance worker checking. It was a, I think it was like February or something last yeah, year. Frozen they got a, pipes or something. Yeah. yeah. They got a deep freeze down there in the Dallas Fort Worth area. 
And so that was causing a lot of problems. They don't get that cold that often. And so maintenance worker for this uh, local, you know, apartment or housing complex decides to go and check on pipes and things. And, you know, there's probably some things that, that person could have done better as far as like communicating what they were doing because it was after dark and whatnot. Uh, but they're basically on a balcony, you know, checking on a pipe. And the homeowner's like, oh, my gosh, someone's trying to break into my house. And, and what they did is they fired through the back patio window or door and shot and killed um, that that maintenance worker in the process. In the other case, a little bit more of a happier ending, uh, the homeowner, it was a pool maintenance worker that came by to check on the pool as per probably contract. Again, it was later in the day. They had a flashlight. It was dark. Uh, the, uh, the homeowner's wife, uh, she alerted him, you know, the, her husband to the fact, Hey, there's someone out in our backyard. They got a flashlight. He observes that he grabs his AR 15 and then he starts and he, he dumps the entire magazine, 30 rounds worth of ammo out the back window and door at this perceived intruder, which wasn't even making intrusion into the home yet. And I use these two examples, I think to, again, it, it, it may not be as, readily apparent as an example of us being examples of what we're talking about, but I still think it kind of is in number one. I think there's some fear at play in both these cases that, Oh, what do I do? You know, like it, it, and you misread the situation and you maybe don't you, either you haven't considered or you're unsure from like a skill perspective of, well, I don't, you know, like I don't want to, the, the idea here is being that, Hey, Guess what? You're within the confines of your home. Is your home secure? Great. If so, hey, call 911. Like, imagine how it would have ended if they called 911 on this maintenance worker checking on frozen pipes and police showed up and they're like, oh, hey, are you, who are you? Oh, I'm just a maintenance worker. Here's my identification. Oh, okay. All good then, right? And everybody goes home happy. Instead, we made an assumption, you know, and started blasting away before anybody even tried to make entry into your home which presumably is secure, you know? It's like there's that aspect. And the other side of it is um, it, where it may not be as as readily apparent as to what we're talking about here, uh, but I, I think that there's uh, some kind of element of, again, wanting to, how do I phrase this? When we're you're, you know thinking about other people's outcomes and not your own. Um Maybe Jake could help me out here. Yeah. But when, like this, in the case of this 30 round, like the one that's really kind of interesting to me, Jacob, is when that dude unloads 30 rounds from an AR 15 out the back window and door. Like that kind of tells me a little something that, you know, yeah. hey, uh, dude was trying to make sure he got this guy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, well, mm. it's it's a combination. Of, sometimes these things overlap, right? This, these, both these incidents are, in my opinion, a combination of all the things we're talking about. We're definitely focused on the wrong person's outcome. We're definitely focused on the bad guy's outcome, not our own, because that behavior is not consistent with maximizing our own survival in that situation. We're definitely acting in fear and paranoia. This is the idea that there be human outside on my property, therefore that human is here to kill me, and I need to act in accordance with that. And we're definitely using poor tactics, which lead to bad compromise decisions, right? In this case, poor tactic being, oh, there's a glass door and there's someone on the other side of it. Like, what? Like, can you not retreat? Can you not use some sort of cover? Can you not observe and report? Like, it's just bad tactics. Um, you know, effectively putting yourself at risk by walking into that room and then presenting the firearm and introducing it into the, into the situation. So, I think I think those are you know that's an overlapping situation where we see all these things we're talking about leading to a bad outcome, right? Fear and yeah. paranoia, bad tactics, and definitely we're focused on the other person's outcome. Therefore, not in alignment with the with the proper objective. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. There's a good comment in here, um, Riley from from Brian Schuler. He says. I think you both. Oh. I think we both tried to click that. Oh, okay. I'm out. You click. <laughs> there it is. Brian says, when you intervene in an initially non-lethal verbal altercation, theft, even shoving match, and it escalates to a lethal threat, who's at fault? The original instigator or the one who escalated it? So this kind of thing actually happens all the time. In fact, one of our most popular episodes is a situ- is an episode I did with Attorney Andrew Brink, where we talked about the gray area. But I think. We have to think about this in in terms of this conversation and not the legal repercussions, though they are almost always in alignment. Yep, take that to the bank. I just said it. 
almost always the best moral decisions are also the ones that are legal. Very rare that it's the uh, that it's not the case. So anyway, so here's how we have to think of this. You know, I'll go back to our shoplifter guy who thinks he's identified some shoplifters, decides to intervene, blocks the exit with his own cart, won't let them leave. Now we get into an altercation. We're shouting back and forth, arguing. Now it becomes physical. Maybe a punch gets thrown. So dude draws gun and decides he has to fire. Who's at fault there? <clears throat> well, I think, you know, from the perspective of the law, what we would say is, I'll give you another one, actually. I just tweeted this one today. So here's an incident for a few from a few days ago that I just shared on Twitter this morning. Um, lady comes into a store, and she says, like according to the, the witnesses, she says, um, "I don't," or says something like, "I don't have to hurt any of you, but I'm going, but I'm gonna," and then proceeds to start spraying bear spray at all the people in the store. Okay, Mark asks, "People still tweet?" Yes, I tweet, or I X, or whatever it's called now. I don't even know. So she starts spraying bear spray at all the people in the store, okay? Well, um, a gentleman who works in the store sees her come in, has a lot of awareness, sees that she's dressed funny, sees that she's got something in her hand, hears the comment she says, you know, goes for his gun, pulls it out, presents it, and she starts spraying everyone with bear spray, shoots at her, bang, hits her in the shoulder, she drops the spray, she boogies out of the store, takes off, leaves her bag, her purse behind. Eventually, they catch up with her, find her charge her, arrest her, et cetera. And the, the bag she left behind, her purse or whatever, there's a quote, additional weapons in the bag. So the question is, is it is it reasonable, right? Is it reasonable for me to, to, to believe that this particular use of force, verbal or otherwise, is going to lead to serious bodily injury or death? Like that's the way the law would work. The way I would, the way, what, like the way I would think of it in terms of the context of our conversation today is, is it like do I believe that in order to maximize my primary objective, in order to keep my primary objective is successful, that it's my best course of action, and that it's necessary, in fact, for me to escalate the situation? Because if the answer to that is yes, like escalate the situation, introduce the gun, get the job done. Right, but there's any number of things like it's not a black and white thing. You know, your past history with that attacker is going to be a factor. Things that are said verbally, the size of the individuals involved, the number of attackers, things that are in their hands or tools or you know, you know, any number of potential issues, physical limitations. If you're old or you know on blood thinners or you got a pacemaker or your bones break easy or I don't know whatever else. Like so, the, you know, I think all of that context is relevant to this idea of, you know, sometimes it is consistent with my primary objective and with me maximizing and being focused on my outcome to escalate a situation and, and escalate maybe is technically not really what's happening. Maybe I'm dealing with the, the what I perceive to be the realistic and reasonable threat. So all of that that you said to essentially say what Mark said, which is <laughs> it depends. I'm going to step step in here and and just to say, hey, uh, also, uh, we are not attorneys, uh, nor is this considered to be legal advice or interpretation. Uh, So, uh, you know, take it, you know, for what it's worth, which is worth, you know, pretty little. That's right. (laughs) I'm just some random dude on the interwebs. But no, um, shooting people. You know, so the example that that Brian's basically asking about, though, is it's unfortunately, Brian, as as is the case. And I've struggled with this for years, you know, when I'm teaching a concealed carry class and students ask similar type questions. And it's like, look, it's hard to boil those kinds of events down into something so simple as a question like what you're asking. It's overly simplified, to be honest. It's going to depend on so many different factors and circumstances involved in that case. But uh, uh, you want to read and understand the law as best as you can, which talks a lot of times about, you know, who who started the altercation? Yeah, did how do we the initial, the initial aggressor? Did the, yeah, did the initial situation resolve kind of temporarily, and then you pick it back up again? Like that that could be a whole other thing. Like you may not have been the initial aggressor, but then you become the initial the the new initial aggressor again later on. And so there's there's so many factors here. Um, the point is, though, I think what your, Jacob was getting at is make good sane, correct, moral decisions that are rooted in good principles. OK, 
Okay. Know who you are as a person and what you stand for. Um, and make sure that you're, you're watching out for numero uno because and don't start fights. Yeah. Just don't start fights. It's not a good idea. I'll, I'll yeah. add another thought along those lines, which is the idea of remove, removing ambiguity. Yeah. So in situations where it's not clear who the initial aggressor is, it's not, sh- it's not clear who's the attacker. It's not clear if the attack is, is lethal in nature or it has the potential to become lethal or serious in nature. Right? In, in those situations, dude pushed me off a bar stool or I pushed the dude off the bar stool because he insulted Peyton Manning. Or I'm in a dark parking garage and guy's got a hooded sweatshirt up and I can't see his face and he's walking toward me. It looks like we're going to meet at my car at the same time. Right? In these situations where it's just not clear who the aggressor is. It's not clear um, if if the level of force being used is, is likely or intended to cause death or serious bodily injury or will lead to something like that. And in those situations where it's not clear, your job becomes the removal of the ambiguity, right? Your, your good tactics, good decision-making, consistent with my outcome and my primary objective, lead me to do what's necessary to remove ambiguity. And that's done by a number of things, right? It, it's done by me uh, making, you know, saying things verbally, asking someone to stop, asking them, what are you doing? Tell them, I'm not, back off. It's, it's, it's also done by me putting cover between me and that person. You know, the dark, the guy in the dark parking garage is going to arrive at my car at the same time. It's about me turning and going a different direction. It's about me circling around the vehicle to see if they, they keep working around the vehicle. It's about me saying things. It's about me turning lights on. It's about me removing myself from this this back family room where I see the guy in my backyard who might be or might not be about to come through the glass door and taking myself into a position of cover and calling 911. So yeah. it's about removing ambiguity by doing what's necessary to to effectively you know force the situation to become clear. Yep. Yeah, I mean for instance like Mark here comments and and for Mark's sake, Mark is actually an attorney, but I'm pretty sure he's not <laughs> offering legal advice in his comment here. Uh, <laughs> but he talks about remembering the elements of self-defense. One of the elements of self-defense is avoidance. Even if you're not legally obligated to avoid a certain situation, it's almost never bad to do things that show that you attempted to avoid the situation. Even when you're not even the the initial aggressor, right? Like just just being able to show that I tried to avoid this or bring this to a resolution without going to violence uh, is going to reflect much more favorably upon you in in a self defense case. And of course, there are other elements of self defense which could be talked about, which we've touched on. We maybe haven't hit on them specifically as well, this element and that element and so on and so forth. But um, that's not. You know, that's neither here nor there as far as the the topic of today's episode. But I just kind of wanted to touch on that. I think that's kind of one of the core things that's being discussed here is like, for me, as I perceive it, avoidance is is huge. Even again, if you're not legally obligated for, you know, by avoidance, I mean like to retreat, right? Even if your state, your statutes don't require you to to retreat from a situation, like stand your ground, in other words, it's still a good thing to demonstrate avoidance of the circum of the situation uh, because that will, ref- I mean, that, that, that's, ju- that's generally what innocent parties do is try to avoid things and not start them. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think, and I, I realize we're coming close to the end of our time. So I will, yeah. I'll summarize with, with my thought here, which is as, as a responsible concealed carrier listening to this podcast, I presume that you probably go through a lot of what if scenarios in your mind. Oh, I'm sitting in this restaurant right now. What if somebody comes through that door? Oh, you know, what if you read a story in the news and you say, Oh, what if that happens to me? What would I do? So when you're, when you're doing the what if things in your mind, ask yourself if the way you think you would respond is consistent with your primary objective and is your primary objective ultimately founded on your outcome and the outcome of the people you intend to protect and defend? Or is your primary objective written, thought through, and founded based on the outcome of the other person? Because it's my belief and argument that if your your objective is founded on the other person's outcome, your objective is flawed. It is significantly out of alignment and flawed. Yep. I agree with that. I think it's a good place to wrap this up. Yeah, you, you're correct that we uh, are wrapping it up. 
Uh, it's it's time. Uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation today with you. Uh, so I think it's a fine place to end the year 2023 as far as this podcast is concerned. Uh, looking forward to 2024. I think it would be a good idea as people tend to make you know new New Year's resolutions and whatnot. Uh, not that you have to wait for the New Year's to do such things, but hey, if you listen to this episode and you learn something from it, I would make the resolution. I would make the decision to spend some time considering these things that we've discussed. Spend some time evaluating yourself as an individual, as a concealed carrier, as a Second Amendment supporting, law-abiding, you know, American citizen. Consider who you are, what your values are, what's important to you, okay? Uh, and make sure that you make you know, that you think your way through of those things that you might find yourself faced with at some point. We hope not, obviously, but that's the way these things go. They come a lot of times when you least expect them, expect them to. You need to know who you are and need to make sure that your actions are consistent with your beliefs and with your understanding of your values and in accordance with hopefully the law as well. And I think probably that that's true of most of you or else you wouldn't be here listening to this podcast. So make that resolution to spend some time considering these things so that you know where you stand in these kinds of, uh, you know, situations that sometimes do and can occur uh, ahead of time. I think it's important. That's why we have these conversations, why we talk about and even do the podcast a lot of times, uh, do the justified saves, you know, episodes and whatnot is to help prompt us with ideas and food for thought so that we make good decisions really ahead of time. So we're not just flying by the seat of our pants, you know, in, in the heat of the moment. That's where I'd end it. With that, a reminder of today's episode sponsors are Dummy, Dummy Ammo from Ready Up Gear. Again, concealedcarry.com forward slash Dummy Ammo, D-U-M-M-Y-A-M-M-O. And also Range Tech Shot Timers, rangetechtimer.com. Thanks for you guys' support. We did a poor job, I think, me and Brian last week of wishing everybody a Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever. Uh, For me and our household, we had a wonderful Christmas. I hope that you did as well, too, Jacob, you and your family. And uh, here we have a few days, although some of many of you may be listening to this after the fact, the new year coming in. And so we wish you a happy new year and we look forward to enjoying 2024 with you all. Uh, and bringing you more podcast content as well throughout the year of 2024. So thank you for your support. And thank you, Jacob, for your time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So until until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. Concealed Carry Inc., its brands and properties, and the Concealed Carry Podcast is not a legal service, nor are we attorneys at law. We make our best faith effort to share Concealed Carry-related insights and information about firearm-related incidents and the laws pertaining based on our own understanding and experience. But things can be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast. Please exercise care with all things pertaining to firearm use, concealed carry, and always practice following basic firearm safety rules. More information about safety can be found at concealedcarry.com forward slash safety.